Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I wanted to release this word in the region today and in the atmosphere because the word of the Lord is spirit and is active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And this, not just for the people who are here, but I wanted to plant and release this message into this region. And I believe that in time it will bear fruit. What I'm giving you today is a seed. What you do with the seed is entirely up to you. If you receive the seed of the Word, the incorruptible Word, and nurture it, pray over it. Sit before God. As Andrew Murray says, it takes time to bow and bend the heart. Allow God's Spirit to minister to you personally this word. That you will hear these words from the very heart of God, not just from the mouth of the preacher. So it is my earnest prayer and desire that I don't want to just give you a message, but impart something of a measure of God's anguish and grief over the state of His church and over the state of your region. Folks, we are the ones that have the authority to change the atmosphere, not the politicians. And if we take our rightful place before God in humility, in contrition of heart, in taking ownership and responsibility for our neighborhoods, our families, our region, our city and the nation, We release, as God said, a fragrance before the nostrils of God that moves the hand of God on our behalf. Nehemiah was able to move the hand of God, and as a result, he accomplished his mission, despite all of the challenges and the opposition he faced. You become unstoppable. And no force in heaven or in hell can stop you when you begin to embrace God's heart and God's burden for your region, for the lost, and for the church. You have a reason for living. You're not just existing and experimenting with life. You live your life with precision. You know why you're here. And you go about your father's business. Putting always God first rather than your interests. Amen. 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 And that's the church that is going to make a difference in our world today. You know, if we desire a move of God in our region that will gather in a harvest of souls, we must step up and step into another dimension in the spirit of prayer. Yes. 
coupled with fasting. It's not just going to happen. Amen? Amen. God is waiting on us. We're not waiting on God is waiting on us and He says, Hey, wake up. Awake. Awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. We cannot continue, folks, to play church and expect a move of God to usher in the sinner. We need to learn how to labor in the Spirit. Labor in the Spirit until we give birth to the move of God. Just like a woman in travail. She's in anguish. She's in pain. But Jesus said once the baby is delivered, she forgets all of her pain and her labor. It takes laboring in the Spirit to bring about a move of God that will usher in the sinner, will heal the brokenhearted, will deliver the captives. It's not just going to happen. Isaiah says, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. But it was Zion. Zion is the church. As soon as she went into travail, spiritual travail, labor in the spirit, she brought forth her young ones. Man, when a, when a young soul comes into the church, the whole atmosphere changes. Just one brings a fresh breath into the house, full of joy, full of excitement. The testimony of what God has done into that precious soul's life changes the, changes the whole atmosphere in the house. Imagine if we have 15, 20, 30, 50, 100 of these precious souls. They shift the atmosphere. But who's going to travail for them? Who's going to labor? Who's going to pray? I often say, Lord God, break my heart with what breaks yours. Because until I begin to feel how you feel about the sinner, I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm too comfortable where I am. And all of us are too comfortable. And those of us that are in pain and, and are facing challenges is all about ourselves. But we've got to grow out of that and put on the armor of God and engage the forces of darkness on behalf of other people. Yes, sir. Yes. In order for the church to give birth to spiritual children, someone has to travail. That can only take place when the church learns to share intimacy with the Father in the Holy Spirit and sharing His heart and participating in the anguish that He carries for the lost and the captive. Isaiah 51 says, verse 9 and 10, Awake! Awake and put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Who's the arm of the Lord? The church is the arm of the Lord. The right hand of God, Jesus Christ, and His body on the earth. And the message that is going forth today is, Awake! Wake up from your slumber. 
Wake up from your delusions and your deceptions. Wake up and put on strength. Awake as in the ancient days, in the generations of old. Are you not the arm that cut Rahab apart and wounded the serpent? Are you not the one who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep? That made the depths of the sea a road for the redeemed to cross over? Have you forgotten who you are? And what you called to do? You're not here to have a happy life. You're here to do the will of God. Yes. That's right. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes. And to experience the joys of heaven as you walk in obedience and be faithful to what God has called you to do. Yes, sir. Listen, some will hear the word and repent and be saved. But many more, many more. It will take more than that. They may not even enter a church building. It will take someone to travail on their behalf until they are loosed from the grave clothes. There are so many in the church that are still clothed with the grave clothes. They raised from the dead. They spiritually alive because they've been born again, but they're still so bound up. Yes. Exactly yes. Right. And remember what Jesus said to the disciples, loose him and let him go. Yes. How are we going to do that? The word alone is not enough. We need to pray and intercede on their behalf. Yes. This is the call of God. Stand in the gap for your neighbor, your family member, your city and your region. God will hear your prayer, will see your anguish in the spirit, will see your tears of sorrow, and will respond with an outstretched arm. Yes. You know, most of my time is spent with believers. I'm an equipper. That's what I am. I'm a blacksmith in the spirit. I equip, I, I, I equip you to go. This is my call. This is my mandate. But your call is to go out there and do something about those who are lost. Yes. Days go by, hardly I see any sinners. Except when I go to the supermarket. <laughs> How many of us are willing to pay the price and endure the cost? For such a move of God in our midst. Yes, we want the move. But how bad do we want it? Do we want it more than sleep? Do we want it more than food? Do you want it more than comfort? Hello? How bad? How bad do you want the move of God? You want this church to grow? It's not going to grow by people leaving one church and coming to another. It's going to grow by you travailing in the Spirit and bringing in the harvest. Amen. Hello? That's right. Who's going to pay the price? Who's going to fast? Hello? It's going to take more. than just. It's going to take a certain kind of prayer that goes into the presence of God and in secret weeps and travails. For the lost to be saved. At this present hour, I said it, our altars are empty. Our eyes are dry. 
and our hearts are unmoved at the plight of the sinner. And that's what grieved and broke the heart of God in my dream as I stood in this great gathering. I began to feel the agony, the pain of a wounded and a broken heart of God because of what he was seeing and witnessing. Or rather, for what he was not seeing and not witnessing. A lot of worship going up, a lot of prayers going up, a lot of petitions going up, lots of gatherings from across the Christian church, but no brokenness of spirit and no contrition of heart and no acknowledgement of sin and no taking ownership and responsibility for the state of the church and for the state of our city that was in. Amen. And God's heart was grieving. Who is responsible for the state of the church? Not God. Who is responsible for our hardness of heart and our lack of care and concern for the sinner, the broken, and the captive? Do we love them like He loves them? Wow, well, you know, as I have said, selfishness hardens the heart, folks. to the point of having no room in our hearts for anyone else besides ourselves. Our attitude, as I said, for the most part is, let them go to hell, Lord. We don't say it, but our actions say it loud and clear. Paul, on this matter, you know what he says? I tell the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing with me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. His heart was breaking. He was living in a continual sorrow and anguish of spirit for the state of his nation. They have a lot of zeal, he says, but no wisdom. They were lost and he grieved and he travailed and he prayed for them because he carried them in his heart. Do you carry anyone in your heart so much? that you cannot rest until you see them saved, delivered, and healed? We give up too quickly. I recall when I came to the Lord, my wife was not born again. She was raised in a godly home, in a Christian home, Greek Orthodox, but she was not born again, born of the Spirit. She didn't even want to go to church with me. One day she locked me in my bedroom and would not allow me to go to church. She was so mad with me. You know how long it took? I was bargaining with God. Lord, bring my wife and I'll serve you. And, and I, I realized I cannot bargain with God until I made the decision and I said, I will serve you with her or without her. Right. 
It took her three years. And I would hear the word of the Lord. If any of you lives with an unbeliever and she does not want to leave you, stay with her. I fought a great battle on my knees. And we need to fight battles for other people, yes, folks. Yes, yes, sir. They're not just going to come in and walk through the doors and breeze through and say, Hello, I'm here. No, they're here because you prayed them in. Amen. Amen. I would see myself in places in prayer that I've never been to physically. But you know what? You have to go there spiritually first before you go there physically. And I'm in prayer. And Anna is in prayer. She writes me a letter, 1988. She said, my brother will be saved through your ministry. I prayed for him. I saw it in the Spirit. It's going to happen. I don't know her brother. I'm going to Greece. Nothing happened. Next year, 1989, lo and behold, her brother comes in weeping at the altar and get born again. She saw it before it ever happened because she prayed for him. We need more of these experiences, folks. Paul sorrowed for the state of his countrymen who did not know Christ and wished that he himself would be accursed if they could just be saved. I know someone else who felt that way back in the Old Covenant. Do you know who that is? Moses felt the same way. Listen to his words. Moses intercedes for his people saying, But now, if you will forgive their sin, O Lord, but if not, erase my name from the record you have written. So much he loved and cared for his nation that he was willing to have his name erased if that could change the situation. That selfless love that sacrifice of oneself on the behalf of other people. That is Christ's heart and that is Christ's attitude. Today, we think that just because we go to church, we need a badge of, you know, praise. Just because you put your tithe in there, you think you're doing something great. God requires much more than yes, that, sir. my brother, my sister. Yes. Much more than that. I wish I could shout this from every pulpit in this country. Paul writing to the church in Philippi concerning Timothy says the following, listen, for all seek their own. Even in those days, all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, he said. What's in it for me? Hello? What have you got to offer me if I come to your church? You have Sunday school? Is your worship right? Hello? Good teaching? What's in it for me? Rather than saying, hey, I'm a person of value and of substance, and when I go somewhere, I'm going to change the atmosphere. I'm not going there to take, I'm going there to give. Now, when we have such minded people, rather than going from church to church seeking to get something, when we have such minded people, we will have a spiritual revolution in our churches that will explode. The attitude of the church for the most part in our day is 
characterized by indifference, apathy, lack of compassion, and genuine care for the lost. In the book of Solomon, I found a scripture that is so appropriate that describes the attitude of the one who genuinely loves. You know what it says? I will arise now and go into the city, in the streets and in the squares, I will seek the one I love. Now she's talking about her beloved. But these words can apply to the one who loves the sinner so much. I will arise. I will go into the city. I will go into the streets. I will go into the squares. And I'm going to seek the one I love. And until I find him, I won't let go. The Bible says that the Son of Man had come to seek and to save that which is lost. Hello. Christ is out there trying to rescue those, those poor souls out there while we often hear worshiping, Lord, come bless me, come visit me, come stay with me. And he's saying, come out there where I am. I need your help out there. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. He needs our help out there. He has no hands but ours, no feet but ours, no eyes but ours, no mouth but ours. And if we don't speak, they will go to hell. And I say this is, is the love really in our hearts for the sinner, for the one whom Christ for, died for? If there is, how do we show it? I mean, Jesus gave this beautiful parable. She said, a woman has... Ten silver coins. She lost one. Why she didn't just say, well, I've got other nine. Well, what? Well, one. I'm not going to go into this labor now. To what did she do? The Bible says she lit the lamp. She swept the house. And she searched diligently all over the place until she found that one lost coin. Which of you having a hundred sheep loses one? Will not leave the ninety-nine in the deserts and go after that one until he finds it. And when he does, he puts it on his shoulder rejoicing. Say, rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. This is the heart of the Father, folks. This is the heart of our Heavenly Father. His desire is that no one would perish, but all would come to repentance. How is our attitude measuring with this? I think I said enough. But my words, I feel, are so weak. May God take these words by His Spirit and pierce our hearts to the core, including mine. To the point where our mind is changed, our attitude is changed, and we set our feet on a course of where there's no return. I'm reminded of, a, of an encounter I had with God a number of years ago in the state of Florida at 4242 Anaconda Drive. I came to the United States, to the state of Florida, broken in spirit, having so many questions.
tired and weary of not seeing what I wanted to see in our church, yet no answers, just questions. You ever been there? Why is this? What is going on? Why is my church not growing? Why am I always have to battle this spirit? What is the problem? Lord, what am I doing or am I not doing? All questions, but no answers. So I determined even before I got here that I'm going to go into my prayer closet and I'm going to fast and pray and seek the Lord until I receive some answers. I fasted the first day. Heavens was like brass. The second day. Heaven was like brass, no breakthrough, nothing. I would come out just to have some water and maybe a sip of coffee and go back with my Bible into the room and I would cry out to God. I fall on my face. I would repent of every sin I could remember of. <coughs> sins of commission, sins of omission and wait upon the Holy Spirit to show me the first two days, nothing. Not a sound, not a word from heaven. On the morning of the third day, I got a breakthrough. Heaven opened and God spoke. But He didn't speak in a word, He spoke in a vision. I was taken in my spirit from the state of Florida to the city of Cape Town. And I stood over my house on the hill and I looked at the neighborhood and it was covered in darkness, pitch darkness. The only house that had a measure of light was my house. But the light that emanated from my house was so dim. It wasn't bright enough and it wasn't affecting the neighborhood. It was just enough for me, for my family, for my provision, for my protection and my security, but it was not powerful or bright enough to penetrate the darkness that was in my neighborhood. And all of a sudden I see this beam of light coming over my house and the light within the house began to become brighter and brighter and brighter that the whole neighborhood shone with a light that emanated from the house. And I, what's happening in that house? Remember, I'm up there looking down, but I don't know what's going on in the house. In a, in a split second, I came into the house in the spirit, and what I saw remained and will remain with me forever. I saw myself on my knees, flat on my face, crying out to God, interceding and praying and saying, Lord, have mercy upon me. Pour out your grace. Pour out your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. I'm not content to live in this state anymore. And my prayer, as I heard it, was so passionate that I heard the voice of the Lord Jesus saying to the Father, Father, look how your Son has humbled himself. Please grant his request and answer his prayer. I caught the conversation between Father and Son. Remember what the Scripture says? That Jesus is our High Priest. Whatever he hears you, he gives to the priest, if it's word-based. And when Jesus said that, the light became a hundred times brighter. 
and my house became like a, a lit city on a hill, and I could see streams of people queuing to come. One of them, in the vision, ran up the stairs, and he found me and he said, Please come, pray for my son, he's dying. The angel of the Lord told me to come and knock on this door and ask for you. And queues of people started streaming toward my house because of the bright and the glory that was upon it. And I remembered the scriptures, Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness will cover the earth, gross darkness, the people of the earth, but the Lord will arise over you, and His glory shall be seen in you, and nations shall come to the brightness of your rising. What was the key? that caused the glory of God to fall upon that house. It was my brokenness of spirit, it was my humility, and it was my prayer. When I went back to Cape Town, I began to call all the pastors, meet with them face to face, one by one. Brother, let's get together and pray. One after another. I'm so busy. I can't really do it, Brother Andrea. This is not a good time for me. Not one, I could not find one to pray with me. I carried on for months, and my desire weaned, weakened. Have I been obedient to that? No. I've asked God so many times to forgive me, but I have not forgotten how to get there. And that's my prayer. Lead me back there, Lord. I know that's the key. I know that's the key. You want a move of God? God is more willing than you and I are. But in conclusion, I want to say this. The state of the church, my conclusion is that most Christians today don't really believe that people who have not believed the gospel are lost and are going to hell forever. That's the honest truth. I don't care what creed we claim to be or our confession. In our heart of hearts and in my heart of hearts, the real question is, do we really believe that the alternative to believing in the gospel is hell? Do we really believe it? The answer to that question will have a profound effect on our evangelism. And in conclusion, I want to read a true record of the story of a man by the name of Charles Peace. He was born in February 1832. He was hanged uh, in, 19, in 1879. He was an English career criminal whose burglaries and murders eventually led to his execution 136 years ago or so. Listen to this story. It's a true story. And during his final walk to the gallows, the condemned man was visited by a nameless pastor who told Peace to repent of his sins and to seek God's mercy before meeting the hangman and going on to meet God as judge. 
the pastor who had made such an appeal many times before to convicted men facing execution seemed to deliver his appeal with all of the passion of a man reading aloud from the yellow pages. There was no zeal, no winsomeness, and no urgency in what the pastor had to say, particularly when he mentioned of the reality of hell. Charles Peace, just moments before his execution, was shocked at the lifelessness of the pastor's words, and he responded with what would be his last words on earth. He said, Sir, I do not share your faith. If I did, and if I believed what you say you believed, even though England were covered with broken glasses from coast to coast, I would crawl the length and the breadth of it on hand and knee and think the pain worthwhile just to save one single soul from this eternal hell of which you speak. Those were his last words that he uttered before he died, before he was hanged. Do we really believe that without the gospel of salvation and the grace of God, do we really believe that there is no other alternative? That people will go and die, go to hell, be tormented forever in eternity? If we do really believe that, something has to change within us. We got to stop thinking about ourselves only. Where do we begin? I've asked the Lord many times this. I always get the same answer. He said, when Nehemiah began, on your knees. It is there that the Lord will give us the wisdom by which we will formulate a strategy by which we will reach the city and the region. God has a plan for every city. And it is not the same plan yes. as he has for other cities. God has a plan for this region. God has a purpose and a plan for this church. He will give it to you on your knees. Amen. Nowhere else. I don't care which prophet you call in or which apostle you call in. You're going to get it right there on your knees. He will give you a download. He will give you a plan. He will give you a picture and he will show you exactly what to do and how to go about doing it. A plan for our lives. Where did I get God's plan? No preacher told me. No pastor told me. Prophets confirmed it but I had to get it first on my knees. And while on my knees, being a businessman praying, I would see myself out there preaching. And I knew one day I would end up there. I was in my store, minding my own business. And I would see myself out there. My heart cried out, out there. And the store that was once a blessing, it became a prison. But prayer broke me loose and sent me out. What's going to help you break loose out of this house is only prayer, travail in the Spirit, receiving the purpose and the plan of God, and then going out and executing just that.
Let's pray. In closing, I want to, I don't want to leave without giving you an opportunity to come to the altar this morning. And in coming to the altar, God is asking for one thing. Are you willing? That's all. He's not asking whether you are able. Are you willing to place yourself on the altar today and say, Lord, I'm willing to be made willing to be that human instrument through which you will work, through which you will pray, through which you will intercede, and you will take me into places in the Spirit in prayer that I had never been to before. Let me experience some of the pain, some of the anguish that you are experiencing at this present moment as I take the time to sit at your feet and listen to your heartbeat. Yes. If that's you, then come to the altar. Do business with God today. Do business with God, but don't come unless you're willing to be made willing. I am willing, Lord, to be made willing. Whatever it takes, whatever the cost, whatever the price, I am willing to be made willing. Help me. Help my unbelief. Break the hardness of my heart. Teach me how to weep like you would weep for Jerusalem when you said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often have I desired to gather you under my arms, even as a hen gathers her cheeks, but you would not. And he wept over the city. May the Lord give us a heart that knows how to weep, how to pray, how to cry out to God, how to allow the breaking of his heart touch our hearts and move us to a point of action not just prayer but action father god here we are today before you we don't know what to do we don't know from where where to go from here all we know is that we are in need of your touch we are in need of your grace we are in need of your mercy we are in need of your forgiveness not only of our sins of commission but our sins of omission it's not just what we have done but what we have failed to do as the body of Christ and our heart cries out to you, have mercy on us today. Have mercy on us today, Father. Remember us. Do not leave us in the state that we are in, that we have been in for however long. We're not willing. We are tired of religion. We are tired of religious exercises and superficial Christianity. We want to go deeper with you. We want to climb higher in the spirit. We want to forget ourselves, our challenges, our pain, and even our family and devote ourselves to the glory of God and to the purposes of God here on earth. We will serve you in good times and in bad. We will serve you in pain and in joy. Only you can help us do that, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, be merciful to us. 
shift our hearts, shift our minds, shift our attitude towards you, Father, and towards your heart in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.